Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Tamarindo. Ana Sheila, how are you? ¿Qué pasa contigo? What's up? What's up, y'all? ¿Qué pasa conmigo? Okay, I feel like I'm just pushing myself out of my comfort zone and making bolder moves. So that's the the energy that I'm in. Um, I recently recorded an episode of Spill the Chisme, uh, Brenda. Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll add the link to that into the notes of this episode. But yeah, if you follow us on social, you've seen that Ana Sheila can handle picante. I can handle picante. Tell us what it is real brief, briefly what it is. So Spill the Chisme, it's a really quick sort of like game show where you are asked a question by, you know, your partner in the show. And then you can choose to either answer the question or eat chile. And of course, I got all the hard questions, I think. And so <laughs> I ate a lot of chile and you and, and it keeps getting there's three rounds. So it keeps getting progressively hotter, quote unquote, hotter with the questions and hotter with the picante. So at the end, you're eating <laughs> habanero. So y'all, the questions I was asked, I, I didn't feel comfortable answering some of them for to protect the, the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, everybody, it's worth watching as a delight. And what else makes you feel bolder? Okay, Brenda, so this is news to you, but I have decided I am going to tell a story at the next Talking While Fucked, I think is a, is a new name. So it's Yes. A <laughs> oh, good. Live storytelling. Excellent. Excellent. Great. We'll have to stay on point to when that comes out. Yes. And the last thing that, that I'm doing that's also new as of yesterday, Brenda, all the things are happening, um, sharing this because we are in Pride Month, y'all. So happy Pride to, to everyone. Um, I am doing a little session for an event that Babes of Wellness, who, by the way, the co-founder Babes of Wellness is who I did spill the cheese meal with. She is also queer and she has an all women's um, wellness space and, and gym. And she's hosting an event. And I'm just going to read it really quick. So y'all know for anyone that is in LA. Yeah, I know it's June 25th because I already paid attention to this, right? Yes. So it's on a Sunday. Yes. yes. So real quick for people that are in LA, they're queer. Babes of Wellness is hosting an event called The Power of Queer Joy, a joy inducing wellness experience centered on queerness. Sunday, June 25th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. I will be hosting a little session as part of that event centered around joyful queer expressions so y'all we will put the notes we will put the links in the notes and if y'all don't know where the notes are basically you look at um, whatever platform you're using there's a description of the of the episode and we have some notes on there so that's where you can find that information so these are ways Absolutely. that i am being a little bold and getting out of my comfort zone so yeah yeah well that's fantastic other places y'all can find details for this is on our website if you hit on episodes you'll see the descriptions there and we also have an event page on our website so we'll be sure to plug all that in there so that you are ready to go and join us in rsvp and all of that all right well i'm not going to delay who our special guest is today because this is a fantastic episode. So today we're talking to Alicia Garza, one of the co-creators of Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter Global Network. Alicia is an author, political strategist, and freedom dreamer that believes that Black communities deserve what all communities deserve, to be powerful in every aspect of their lives. Alicia founded the Black Futures Lab to make Black communities powerful 
in politics. She shares her thoughts on politics and pop culture on her podcast, Lady Don't Take No, which is such a delight of a podcast. You all have to listen to it right away. And we have such a great conversation. We talk about movement building and the important role that joy plays in keeping our spirits high while we all move together in this fight for equity. And we're just so excited to speak to Alicia. So let's take it away and hear from her now. First off, I just want to welcome you to Tamarindo, Alicia Garza. It's so wonderful to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here with you. Beautiful. So you are multi-hyphenated. You do so many things. But what I'd like to do is start today by talking about your book, The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. This is required reading, I believe. It is packed with research, personal accounts, lessons in movement building. And I'd love for our listeners to know a little bit about the origin story of this book, which was written in 2020, such an important year. Talk to us a little bit about what was the vision behind this memoir? Oh, well, you know, first and foremost, I really appreciate you lifting up the purpose of power. It is a book that I really wanted when I was starting out in organizing. And after, you know, 20 plus years now of uh, making change and building power, you know, I really wanted to share some of the lessons that I'd learned and also kind of pull back the curtains on how change happens. I think that for a lot of people, they think that they themselves cannot be a change maker, right? They think, oh, I could never do that. I can't speak in public. I don't like crowds or whatever it is, right? We have these ideas about um, who change makers are and what it takes to make change. And there's really nothing out there that um, demystifies, right? Um, You know, how it is that people get involved, why they get involved, what you do when you get involved. Um, And also like, there's very few things out there that really pull back the curtains on like how people got into change in the first place. And so the purpose of power is really like, part memoir and part reflections on 20 years of movement building and making change. And my hope, right, was that this was a book that would be um, useful to people who were already in the process of making change in their own way, but also useful to people who got really inspired or pissed off, right, in 2020 and seeing, or even before that, right, seeing all the changes that have happened in our country, wanting to know how to get involved and not knowing where to start, and also not knowing what to expect. I think sometimes when people um, get involved in social change, they think it's supposed to be like a wonderland, right? With like puppies and flowers. And it's almost like you've reached heaven or something. And then folks get really disappointed when they realize that change makers and making change is really just like in a compilation of people who have a passion about something, but we're also human. We bring all our stuff to it, right? And so I was hoping that the purpose of power could really be like a handbook that people could take with them to um, be better change makers, to learn how to make change, and to really see themselves as the superheroes in their own stories. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's exactly the takeaway that I've had reading the book. I'm not all the way done, but I can't wait to continue to dive in. And just thinking that we're all just 
little pieces of this larger thing. And it's not one individual. It's not one organization. It's many individuals. And it's not just like we did a checkmark. There are setbacks. There's keeping, keep it going. No, there's so much going on in movement building. And I think your book really kind of captures that. Um, a little bit more about the book. There were so many wonderful, powerful nuggets, but I'd like to reflect a little bit on the notion of intersectionality. There's a part in the book where you say, we must challenge our fear that Black people organizing means that the rest of us will be left behind. Can you expand on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I came up um, in multiracial organizing, meaning, you know, when I first started as a change maker, I came up um, working with people of many different cultures, many different races, experiences. And that's really my background, right? That's where I feel um, that I have a lot of tools and skills. And the thing that I kept noticing in the process of multiracial organizing, which I deeply think is important, is that Black communities, my communities, are under-organized, right? And so when you're trying to bring people together, um, you, 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 you assume, right, on a lot of levels that while each of us has our own unique and distinct concerns, there are things that connect us and that bind us. That is 100% true. But we can't actually be effective together, right, if we haven't figured out um, with each other, right, um, what it is that we care about and what we're bringing to the table. In my vision for a better society and a more free economy, um, I see all of us working together in a multiracial democracy. That's what I work towards every single day. And that's what I've been working towards for over 20 years. And if Black people aren't organized, right, and if we don't kind of get our stuff together, um, it becomes really challenging to contribute to the whole, right? And I know from years of doing this work, every community thinks that other communities are more organized than them, right? So <laughs> I spent like a decade building, uh, you know, community and power with uh, Latino immigrants, right, and Black folks who were born in America. And, you know, it's so funny because in all of our side conversations, whenever we were together, right, people were like, yeah, we're together and we all have the same agenda. But in the quiet moments and the side conversations, you know, the Latinx sisters that we organized who were domestic workers in San Francisco at the time would say, you know, Black people really have it together. Black people stick together. Y'all know exactly what you want. And our communities, we're not organized. And then Black folks would be like, you know what? The Latinx sisters stick together. But we Black folks, we're not organized. And I actually think like it's a little bit of both, right? I think that, um, you know, there is something to be said about feeling like the grass is greener on the other side. There's also something to be said about living in a country where the rules that govern us, um, they serve to divide us in really important ways. It's not just in our minds, right? Um, the way we're taught to think about each other or not, um, the way we're taught to collaborate with each other or not, the way that we're taught to see each other as um, uh, uh, enemies or not, right? Um, all of those things kind of shape um, who we are and how we be together and whether or not we can be effective together. I think that um, coming out of that context of organizing multiracially, 
you know, anytime we would try to bring people together based on like really shared experiences, right? Being black in America or, you know, being Latinx women who are doing domestic work, people feel threatened by that. They're like, well, why are you guys meeting? How come I can't be a part of it? And I think that's actually kind of the wrong way to look at it. Um, and it, it's really that vision, that viewpoint is really shaped by um, the rules we've been taught in this country, which is that you have to compete to survive, right? Um, I actually think something different. And, you know, in that chapter about intersectionality, you know, really the gift that people like Kimberly Crenshaw and before her, people like Barbara Smith, right, gave us with intersectionality is understanding how we both have privilege and lack privilege at the same time. And it's a tool for us to understand how not to leave anybody behind, but it's also a tool for us to understand the, the unique ways in which our communities get shaped from inside and outside to actually be powerful together or to not be powerful together. And so I really wanted to put forward this, um, this uh, set of ideas, you know, because I've learned over time that it's important to have both. It's important for people to be able to come together um, who share a certain set of experiences to build relationships and also to break down the stereotypes that we have about each other in our own communities. And it's important for us to build with other communities who have experienced something similar. It may not be exactly the same, but we all have the experience, right, of being lied to um, and being turned against each other. And that can actually be a real deep source of strength. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. as you're describing this and reflecting back on the book, I really just have this vision of, of expanding, of growing, of calling people in. And I'm curious about the role of communications or communications tools as bringing people in. Obviously, something that we have in common with you is using the power of podcasting. And I know one of the things that is a big takeaway also from your book is that movement building is about people, not hashtags. And communications tools are really helpful to bring some people in. Is that a little bit about why you've had a couple of podcasts? One that I um, absolutely love, which was Sunstorm with Agent Pooh, which was amazing and I hope comes back. And of course, you're that, I'm a new fan of Lady Don't Take No, which is just such a joy. Talk to me about both of these vehicles and what you think about these resources to call people in. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you can relate in that the, you know, this, um, industry, right, is undergoing extreme change. And um, we're seeing, you know, over and over again, like a, a smallification, right, of the tools that we need to be able to connect with each other across geography or physical boundaries. Um, you know, and the internet, podcasting, all of that communications tools, 
have such an incredible ability to connect um, and to amplify, which is what we need, right? Um, there's, you know, however many million people <laughs> in the United States and however many billion numbers of people on the planet, and there's no way that we can meet each other without technology, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like literally physically impossible. But I'm worried about the state of our um, of our industry right now because our ability to amplify our voices, particularly those of us that have been left out and left behind traditionally um, from these tools, um, is shrinking. And so, you know, for Igen and myself, when we started Sunstorm, the the real purpose of it was to be the light in a moment of extreme chaos and despair. Um, a lot of women across the country were really feeling after, uh, you know, the 2016 election, really feeling like, you know, we missed an opportunity. We want to rematch, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest barriers to change making is people feeling like um, cynicism, right? And feeling right. like, they can't have any impact on the things that are going on in their lives. And so we really tried to create um, a tool that, you know, wasn't cheesy. We, you know, we weren't trying to say like everything is hunky dory and all good, but we did try to create a, a, a space where we could say there are really inspiring people out there that are doing incredible things against the odds. And you can also be one of those people. Um, and give people other folks to like follow and look to for inspiration. That was really kind of our goal while also, you know, talking about the real issues that women are facing and what we can do about it. Um, so that is a joy. And, you know, I, we'll see in terms of what the future of Sunstorm is, but it was an awesome contribution, I think, for us to make and an honor to do. Ijin's one of my closest friends. So if ever we get to do another project together, I would love it. And then with Lady Don't Take No, you know, that podcast was really born in the fires of the pandemic and being shut in and locked down um, and really disconnected from each other. And, you know, I'm somebody that is like a politics junkie. I, you know, I have CNN or MSNBC on and every hour of the day, I have to like force myself to turn it off and like play some music or get another <laughs> vibe. But like when the, when the pandemic um, really became a crisis, I, like many other people was like stuck in my house, driving myself crazy in my four walls. Right. So of course I'm following everything that's happening to the nines. I want to know what the shutdown is about and what we know now about COVID and all these different things. But so many people were overwhelmed and inundated by all of this information that just didn't make sense. And I wanted to create something that gave people like the nuggets of what was going on in politics. So you don't tune out completely, but if you don't wanna watch CNN or MSNBC, that's cool too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna boil it down for you so that you can get like the major highlights, things that you need to know, or as my friend Rashad always says, news you can use. And then I wanted to mix that with, you know, chisme about pop culture and, you know, the things that I love that I actually got to connect more to in the pandemic because we're all at home. So um, shout out to like the Bravo Network and Real Housewives of Atlanta <laughs> and Beverly Hills, which I'm obsessed with, Vanderpump Rules, which, oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about Talk about cheese, <laughs> I know, right? And then I wanted to bring like cool people on who, you know, 
and get behind the scenes with them. Like I'm really lucky to have met and be friends with um, some of the most incredible entertainers, creators, commentators of our time. And so what an incredible opportunity to sit with people like Jamel Hill or Joy Reid, or, you know, we just recently did an awesome episode with Jadena, right? <laughs> yes, which was awesome. Politics. You know, Don't politics and polyamory, all of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, Lady Don't Take No is really a tool for joy and for politics. And, you know, my, like, real thing, if I'm to tell all the truth, um, is I'm a political junkie, but I hate politics. I feel like it's really sterile and stuffy. And sometimes in this work, like people get all buttoned up and they just take themselves way too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for people to be involved and stay involved, you actually have to find some source of inspiration and like numbers and polls and data and like the, you know, hourly rundown of the same story over and over again isn't going to cut it. So because I love that stuff, I'm giving a gift to my community, which is like just boiling it down to the brass tacks and um, giving you avenues where you can get involved. And it's been one of the most amazing projects of my life. And um, I, it's just a joy to be able to do it. And big thanks to everyone who's listening. And thank you for becoming a new listener. Yes, absolutely. So everybody's got to listen to Lady Don't Take No. It is it's such a joy. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about the role of joy in movement building. Tell me, like, what are your thoughts on it? Why is it so important to also celebrate and not always be the buttoned up person sharing the stats? Because the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> look, for me, I've been an organizer for a long time. And you know, one of the most important lessons that I've learned is that the very people that need to be in movement are not people like me. <laughs> people like me absorb and consume this stuff all the time. And I'm lucky enough to like have that be my career. But for a lot of people who need change and deserve change, um, this is not what they do for a living. Um, they are, you know, clerks in grocery stores and they're nurses and they're domestic workers and teachers and parents and caregivers and, you know, people who don't have time <laughs> to do all the stuff that I get the joy and the honor of doing every single minute of my day. And, you know, joy is actually what not only brings people into a movement, but will keep them there. Um, what I have learned is that, yes, it's about the problems that you're facing. Yes, we want better wages. We want, you know, an end to climate catastrophe. We want, you know, better and more affordable housing. We want and need and deserve better and affordable health care, all those things. And what often gets us involved at first is like being pissed off about the way things are, right? I'm pissed off and I want to go somewhere where I can do something about it. That's awesome. But anger and rage actually is useful, but it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's not the thing that's going to keep you in it. You can, if you're angry every single minute of every day of your life, you're going to start to develop problems, health problems, emotional problems, right? Like it's literally not sustainable. There has to be something that we connect to 
even when it's hard, even when we don't want to do it, um, there has to be something that brings a smile to our face and makes us feel like there are possibilities in the world. And the best organizers are not the people who can only talk about the problems. The best organizers are the people who can connect to what makes people feel hopeful. Now, I'm not talking about the cheesy way of doing that, right? There's like the whole kind of inspirational speaker type thing. That's not it. What I mean is like, can we kiki about the little joys that we have every single day? Like, I love when I have a clean sink, there's something that it does to me, like it brings me joy. There's no dishes in the sink. It's like my life is in order, right? Everybody has something like that. And if we can connect on that level, we're going to stay connected for longer. Um, so I, I think the role of joy in a movement um, is in, it's, it's invaluable. The thing that I talk about though in my book is that I think, you know, we have to both, um, I, I have this mentor, right? Max, um, shout out to Max if he's listening. And, you know, he runs marathons. And, you know, I, before I became like a runner and a very slow one at that, um, I couldn't imagine running like a mile, much less like 26.2 miles. I was like, I don't understand. How do you do that? It doesn't it hurt. Like when I run on the treadmill for 10 minutes, I'm like achy and I'm winded and all the things. And he looked me dead in my face and said, you just kind of have to find peace in the pain. You have to figure out, right? Like a way to keep going, even when everything else around you or even everything inside of you feels chaotic and it hurts. So I look at joy in the movement in that way, right? Yes, there are the things that like make us happy, but it's also about tapping into um, the things that we can hold on to when stuff is hard. And I'm, I'm not sure if I would fully call that joy, but I think it's something akin to it where um, you're okay no matter what is going on around you. Um, and that is what I think the role of joy and I guess resilience is um, in movement building. Wonderful. I just have three last questions for you that are rapid fire questions. What is one thing you're celebrating? It, it could also be something that brings you joy, big, small, whatever it is, clean sinks. What is the thing that you are, like to celebrate? I am celebrating right now a consistent workout practice. Yes. It's been a struggle for years, but I'm finally on a schedule six days a week. I'm lifting weights, I'm doing cardio, and I'm loving it. Excellent. I love that. Now, what goes in la basura? What is something you're done with? Your canceling needs to go in the trash? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had an answer, but I'm not going to use that one. <laughs> oh, I bet it's great. I bet it's great. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, we got to keep it cute here, huh? Okay, so what's going to go in the trash? Um not engaging and investing in communities of color when you want to win elections. I mean, what are we doing? Right. Like the majority. What are like, we what, doing? What are, what we, are doing? we doing? Why are we doing it? <laughs> Have we <laughs> my, not learned my, our lessons? <laughs> yeah, like my God baby, you know, he always says like, why is her? Or like, why is this? And I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel about not investing in our communities when it comes to election cycle. <laughs> why is yeah, this? why? Why? <laughs> 
Exactly. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Civ investing in civic engagement isn't every four years. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no. Every day. 365. Okay. Every day. <laughs> and then what brings you calmness or how do you stay grounded? Hmm. Um, right now I'm staying grounded with trees and porch sits. Um, there is mm. nothing like sitting on a porch with a loved one and a cold beverage in a warm night. Um, that is really like soothing my spirit right now. Beautiful. Well, thank you so, so much for visiting us, visiting us here on Tamarindo. Everybody, you all got to listen to Lady Don't Say No and Don't Take No. Lady Don't Take No. Thank you so much, Alicia. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a treat to talk to Alicia Garza. I mean, wow, it's, it's just so great. And I'm so grateful that she was able to stop by here at Tamarindo. And Sheila, you've got more going on. ¿Qué más pasa contigo? ¿Qué más pasa conmigo? All right, well, I'm going to make this little update. I'm going to make it my basura somehow, and, I'll, and you'll see how. Okay, so basically, I finally told my mom that I smoke weed, and I have to be real with it, with everyone. And I've been wanting to do this. This is something that I've been wanting to do because like, there's no way that I can be out and queer with my familia, but I still haven't told my mom I smoke weed. Like, you know, like, why am I still hiding <laughs> you, that? You like, stepped out of the smoke closet. <laughs> I stepped out of the smoke closet. But I have to be real, it, it happened on accident, and this is how. And I, a few months ago, when I was moving out of my place in Mexico City, my family was with me. So my mom, being the wonderful mom she is, she's like, I'll help you pack all the things. And I'm like, okay, my mom's gonna help me pack. Let me think about all the things that might be inappropriate <laughs> that I that I don't want her to find, right? Yes. And I'm like, oh my god, what is the riskiest thing? And of course, the I mean, the first thing that I thought about was my, you know, sorry y'all, um, my strap on. <laughs> yeah. That's so what I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, I cannot. Something to hide. <laughs> she cannot find that. So I was so focused on not having her find my strap on that I forgot <laughs> that I also have weed. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom you found, need to store them together <laughs> so i know right so my mom found my weed and she's like whose is this and here's the thing i'm at the point where i'm just not i'm not lying anymore i'm not lying about anything anymore i'm not a liar and so i was like okay i, I guess así pasó and i'm like it's mine and i smoke sometimes and then that was it that was it I was so, so my mom found out it was an accident, but it's out in the open. It was it. There was no other further conversation. And she didn't care? There was no further conversation. She hasn't brought it up again. So I feel like I've been sort of like easing her into being okay with weed, you know? And, and I, so, <laughs> so it happened. She didn't find my strap on, but she did find my weed. So I'm good with that. I'm happy with how things turned out. And what I'm putting in La Basura, La Basura is us feeling like we can't, that like this, that weed is still stigmatized in the way that it is, that this feels like something we need to hide, especially when it's so much, um, you know, like I, we we're so open with alcohol and that can be so much more toxic than, than, than we can on our Absolutely. bodies and, and in our environments. So that's what I'm putting in. That's how I'm making this La Basura. <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, Matraca that you were able to share it. And for additional uh, context and background for folks, there was a whole episode where Anna Shayla was a guest on a different podcast, all about how to talk to mommy or papi or both um, about secrets. And this was, how long has it been? That episode's been out probably over a year and the secret has not been out yet. <laughs> so, so yes, big, big, major life update for all the all of you that have been following and tracking this story. Breaking yes, news. Yes. Breaking news. <laughs> yes, breaking news. Okay, Brenda, what about you? Start with basura, matraca, wherever you want to start. 
Let's see. I mean, I, I really don't have a good basura. I guess I just dropped off the friend at LAX. Uh, let's get it together. Let's get public transportation all the way to LAX. That's my basura. LAX sucks. Basura. <laughs> well, let me give you a matraca for taking a friend to the airport. These, you must really love this person because you live very uh, yeah, far. Yeah, no, there's people that I absolutely love. Keiko is one of my closest, closest, dearest friends. Um, she used to be my, me and Jeff's roommate uh, when we used to live together in Mid-City. We had such an amazing year back then. This was already like 11 years ago. So um, it was really wonderful to have her around and have her stay with me. So absolutely, I will take Keiko to the airport. I won't pick her up, though. I did, I did delegate that to someone else, but I did drop her off. Drop, dropping off is a little easier. Beautiful. So uh, why don't we go back? Um, so you gave us your basura. Do you have a matraca? I do. My matraca is going to... Guess what? I'm watching a show. For some of y'all that don't know, I don't really watch that she much. She watches TV. Wow. <laughs> Oh, man, this is a new Anna Shayla. Yes. So I'm watching um, a Netflix show called, um, although Netflix goes a little bit in La Basura, but I'm watching the Ultimatum Queer Edition, which is a reality show. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it, Brenda? I have heard of it. I was I was recently talking to our friend Charlie and they were like, well, it's so, sort of silly to do these dates in the queer community because it's like, why don't we all just date each other? It's what their reaction was. That's so okay, funny. So yeah. tell us. So, so this show, um, the premise is ridiculous, as most dating reality shows are, but appreciate the opportunity for, for queer people to be messy on TV, too. But the premise is that um, basically these couples come in and one of the, the folks in the couple really wants to get married and the other one is still like not ready. And so they're coming to the show and they've given the, their partner an ultimatum, like you either are like getting ready to get married with me or you're not. But what yeah. happens is they have to break they break up with their partners during the show. Like that's part of the rules. And then they like get to know other people. And then they have like a trial. <laughs> they have a trial marriage with whoever they like had a connection with on the show for like three weeks. So they live with someone else for three weeks. And at the end of it, I think they're just they're supposed to decide if they're like breaking up or they're getting married with the original partner. But okay. you're enjoying this. <laughs> yes. The premise is ridiculous, but it's actually really entertaining. And, and here's the thing. Like, I really do appreciate queer representation anywhere, especially on reality shows, which have predominantly been, been so hetero. So it's really nice to, to have that representation, to see couples represented, to see like, oh, I see myself and my, you know, my future, my former self and this person or this person. Or, or, and, and also, I, I have to say, I do really think that when I, and I've seen another queer dating show is I really like just queer people in general on these dating shows are a little more like they're more articulate. They're more connected to like, I don't know, their emotions or identity. So many yeah, things. And so emotional, their EI might be higher. Their, their emotional EI intelligence. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's it does feel like that. And so uh, but there's definitely some people that are not that. But but you but you do get to see that it's very enjoyable. I'm talking about it with all my friends and it's nice to actually have a show to talk about with friends because I'm usually not that person. But now I have like, oh, yeah, let's talk about the cheese from the show. So that's what I'm giving a matraca to ultimatum. Queer Edition, check it out. It's really good. <laughs> yes, very good. Well, uh, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but I'm going to share my calma because your your share out reminded me of my calma. And what's giving me calma is books that I'm reading. Um, there's, of course, Miriam Gurba's Creep, and we're going to speak to her later this year, but it's I'm excited for that. But the book that I want to talk about right now is um, Hello, Molly, Molly Shannon's memoir. Wow. And more than anything, it, it, it was a reminder of a time when watching TV was more of a collective because there was very limited channels. And there was no streaming. It, and especially if you're a kid and you're not going out on a Saturday, you actually did watch Saturday Night Live pretty religiously. That was like wilding out and staying up till 11 to watch Saturday Night Live. 
And I'm thinking back to when Molly Shannon, her first year, let me tell you some of the things and y'all might be you know, reminiscent on, on some of these characters that were on that first year. So the Spartan cheerleaders, I mean, we all yes. remember them. They were so great. I mean, everything, everything she did, she, was, she had so many characters, um, the Night of the Roxbury. I mean, just so many gems that we could all talk about because we were, we, we can all reminisce and remember because we all watched it to, like, collectively. And we don't really get to do that anymore because there's just so much TV out there and people are watching on demand and part of the you know part of the way this um, has this watching TV has cheapened cheapened is part of the issue with the way writers are getting paid and all of that but part you know one of the, the sacrifices I guess one of the things I'm missing is that collective activity of watching things like SNL so that's my god my karma is reading books but also my re reflection on that activity Yes, beautiful. Okay, so my calma um, are memories, actually. <laughs> and what I mean... See, it's all connected, mira. See, see memories. <laughs> I know, right? You inspired me as well. But yeah, my calma is memories. We're, um, we're coming up on, on Father's Day. For folks that don't know, I lost my dad a few years ago. Um, and I yeah, it's memories are my calma. And I think, and this is my personal perspective, but I, I think there's nothing more important in this life than creating beautiful memories with people that you love. And yes. I think losing my dad has, is, has, was a big reminder of that because, you know, grief is, is interesting, right? Like sometimes grief carries, has, it's, it's attached to joy. Sometimes it's more sad, right? When we remember our, our loved ones. Um, and, but what's always gives me solace with my thinking about my dad and, and the grief around my uh, around losing my dad is that I have so many beautiful memories because we were a very, you know, we did a lot as a family. We did went on a lot of trips and I have these memories and these experiences. You know, we finally went on a trip to Spain together. My dad had never been to Spain and I have these beautiful trips that I can draw back on. And it really provides me so much joy and so much solace that I have these things that I can go back to. And so that's why my my calma is, is, is that I have these memories and I'm so grateful that we were a family like that that got to do so much together. So that's my calma. Oh, that is so beautiful. Um, I can feel my little heart reaching for your little heart and giving you little tentacle hearts, <laughs> hugs, tentacle hearts, hugs. Um, um, somebody described that they feel that everybody's heart is full of strings and they all, they all come together like when people are together. And I thought that was a really beautiful reflection and that's what I'm feeling right now Thank you. as you're describing that. As we were jumping around, we missed the, the matraca that I had, and it's sort of related to this, too. Oh. So I'm turning 40. I'm turning 40 July 14th. Everybody that's listening that's local to L.A., you all are invited. We're celebrating at Oracle Tavern on um, across from the State Historic Park, July 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. But something that my parents are gifting me for, that, for my birthday, something I've been asking for for many years, is to digitize our family videos which we haven't seen since my brother passed away in 1994. So um, it's gonna be, I mean, the, the process has happened, the videos have been digitized and we will be viewing them hopefully as a family soon. We, ha we have to kind of build the courage to do so. But I, uh, like you, I'm also ex incredibly grateful that my parents were always about taking us out and doing things to create those memories because truly that is what we all have. So uh, everybody who's listening, Take that trip, you know, yeah. put, it, put it on the card if you need to. I mean, plan if you can, but try to do uh, activities or things that you could do to build memories with, with your loved ones, with your families, with your friends. So beautiful reflections. 
Thank you so much, Ana Sheila, for doing another episode here on Tamarindo. Yes. Any, any parting words for the listeners for today? No, we, we love you and we appreciate y'all listening and, and, and sharing always. So, so thank y'all. We hope you enjoyed it. And, and thank you, Brenda, también. Yes. All right, everybody. We're taking a little break next week. So listen to this one. We'll be back after that. And then we're going to head out for summer break. So thank you, everybody, for loving on this show, for sharing it with friends, for writing Apple podcast reviews. It truly means so much to us. And until the next one, ponte un suéter. Bye, y'all. Abrazos, besos. Ciao. Ciao. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anasheila Victorino with production support from Josie Melendez and Augusto Martinez Delgado of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you like our show, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast or share an episode with a friend. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need whatever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro.